Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Innes, Dave Skull here. The phone lines, they are open. 8150 93.9, 3831-939. Hope you are safe uh, indoors, everything battened down wherever you are. I uh, hope that you are uh, not in any kind of harm's way uh, here. We've had some, some folks call in or text in or message in uh, in some way or another about some antics uh, out on the road uh dave angel just takes a little while ago a street light just fell while she was at a street light. i was like that's like final destination stuff please be careful out there guys we don't need that uh yeah my mom just texted me a down tree right behind their house that hit the neighbors i mean I, I think we are fortunate that this is not happening just a couple of weeks from now when all of these trees would have leaves on them yeah uh, it'd be a, a an even worse uh, perhaps uh, scenario than than we're dealing with now so be careful uh, while you are out there, uh, 8150939. That's the number if you want to get in here. I did want to uh, mention, Dave, uh, Ross Dellinger uh, with Sports Illustrated, who obviously is very, very plugged in with uh, what's going on with the SEC and the two big things sort of hanging out there in terms of like the the future of the Big Ten and the SEC is sort of how they're going to assimilate OU and Texas, USC, UCLA, get to sure. 16 teams and how they're going to make schedule changes and, and structural changes in light of that. Uh, and it appears they are coalescing around a nine-conference game schedule in the SEC and a three permanents, six rotating, so that you play everybody in the SEC at 16 teams at least, I think, twice over a four-year period. And he listed out what he believes – the SEC is going to do in terms of appointments for opponents and the lead of the conversation was because Nick Saban said explicitly he already knows what the SEC wants Alabama to do and he's mad about it because he says that Alabama's going to be Alabama's three permanent opponents are going to be Auburn Tennessee and LSU and you can understand why that might frustrate him when some of the others uh, are, are not like Missouri's gets Oklahoma, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, you know, or Ole Miss gets Mississippi State, LSU and Arkansas. But for I mean, for Alabama, now that Tennessee sort of seems to have gotten its act together, that's three pretty tough ones to make permanent all the time. I understand him looking at it in comparison to some others and saying, like, geez, this doesn't seem particularly fair. 
especially in light of the fact that the as the Big Ten sort of still continues to kick around ideas, they have talked explicitly in their negotiations or discussions or whatever about scheduling in such a way as to just maximize the number of playoff teams. Giving Alabama a schedule like that doesn't necessarily seem to me like that because they are either going to be knocked out of the playoff with, with losses or knock some of those teams out by beating them on kind of an annual basis. I'm surprised a little bit. I thought they would just sort of try to engineer a bunch of wins for the teams at the top, and this doesn't sound like that. No, and this is the thing. Like, I understand that LSU and Alabama has been a pretty – heated rivalry especially since they've been the two best teams in the sec and they're i mean i I get it but auburn and tennessee are their traditional rivals like number one and number two yeah bama's gonna have those two you have to sacrifice maybe having lsu on the schedule every year in order to balance this schedule somehow because nobody else has anything close to this really like i'm looking lsu has okay lsu has ole miss a&m and alabama which some years could be really brutal but some years, not so much. You know, like it's just everybody else has an out. And right now, Auburn's pretty, pretty mid and regular, but more often than not, they're like an eight win type team at least. So that's the soft spot of the three. And that doesn't seem to scan for me, but that's pretty brutal, man. On the other hand, we all we hear about, like Florida State and Clemson are mad because they're going to be behind the SEC and it's giant financial advantage well you're going to have that financial advantage in the sec as alabama or any of the team or kentucky or anybody i don't want to hear about it like on the one hand i get it but on the other hand like if you're going to wreck the big 12 and you're going to have this gigantic financial advantage over everybody i i kind of feel like you should just shut up take your check from espn and play the games like if you're getting, they're giving you a giant advantage in exchange for this very thing. The ESPN is not going to make this enormous investment in the SEC so that they can put Alabama and Mississippi State, who I like, but Alabama and Mississippi State on national TV. That's not what they want. They want the big games. No, you, you have to, to take. Like if the, you're going to get the money, you play the games. You have to take the other side of it, you know. And quite frankly, what this is going to lead to is not Alabama missing the playoff, but Alabama being the first nine and three team in the playoff. I mean, oh, that's, that's true. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> in in a year they go nine and three, we're expanding to twelve. There's gonna be plenty of room for at largest from the SEC. Like it's just not it's just not gonna be that big of a deal for them. Politic on TV shows like, hey, we deserve it. We lost to the three top teams in the country right here. Right, like it's if you've ever heard anything about SEC scheduling, you know, be, be, be prepared to, for that. Like, we double have it. to play at HBCU or FCS school because we play such a tough conference schedule. The other ones of note. Uh, not a lot of them are like overwhelming in kind of one direction or another. Interesting that they have Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Georgia as Kentucky's. And yeah, no three. Tennessee. I'm I am surprised that Tennessee is not one of them. That that surprises me quite a bit. I think Kentucky would like that. Uh, but in terms of a difficulty is for your three permanent opponents. I mean Georgia sucks. I, I get that. But the other two. If I'm Kentucky, like I will take this running. No, Wouldn't you got you? the best team in the league right now, and two from the bottom third. Like I think they take that. And but looking at Tennessee's three permanents, Vanderbilt, Alabama, and South Carolina, like I feel like it would be a little more because they already have Vanderbilt 
like you gave him South Carolina too. Like I think it would make more sense to give him Kentucky, which is a more traditional rival and a little bit better than South Carolina right now. Although South Carolina's on the come, like it's uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 kind of weird to me, but maybe there was just something they had to do and had to sacrifice. But Kentucky, like the only real. Like they have rivalries because they're in the East, but the only one that you can really say is their rival is Tennessee. And I realized that, that it was hammer that would be and, news to Tennessee, right? That, well, it's hammer and nail for a couple of decades, but it's been a little more even the last five or six years. Like I, I, I don't know. It's weird to me. Their 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 draw is a little weird. It makes like Tennessee makes sense a lot geographically, obviously. But I mean, I mean, it's not a bad schedule. If you're Kentucky, like you said, Mark, you just take that and run with it. I mean, yeah. You well, Kentucky's got to be thrilled. You, know, you play Georgia every year, so you can chalk that as an L, but you cover that game. At imagine least. imagine shoving Clemson and Florida State into this. <laughs> oh, that, that that would be absurd. I think. So let me ask you if. This is the the pairings that they end up with, to where you would end up with those three uh, as your permanent opponent. Say, if you're Kentucky, is that enough? Along with the you know a nine game schedule, if those are the three permanent opponents, does Stoops have the uh, the nerve to try and get out of the Louisville series? Probably. I was going to deteriorate him from that. <laughs> Probably, but I I think people will step in on that one. I mean, do you? I think somebody I'm not, will. I'm not convinced that Mitch Barnard will step in to anything. Well, I don't know if it's going to be Mitch. Mark Stoops. He loves Mark Stoops. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be Mitch, but one of those local politicians make yeah, a resolution. Most people still like, want to have it. to play this game every single year, just like they try to ban the uh, lifetime contracts. I don't think you would get politicians to try to make Kentucky play that game. Hmm. We'll see. I I don't put anything past like I I I think. Stoops has been angling sort of for this, and I think they were, they would love to to propose that. Like, get those Mac beams in, man. Got to pay Gotta all these Mac schools up. Got to get them. I just don't think with nine I, – I would listen to it. With ten conference games, you have a better argument, but with nine conference games, you still have three non-cons. You're not going to play anybody outside U of L in those other Especially two games. Florida and South Carolina and Georgia are going to play their ACC rival, and then you are going to be the one to not do that. That's it looks thing. a lot bad on you. Who knows if the other ones will keep their rivalries? And who knows if that's? I don't think they care. care. I really don't. I I'm not convinced that he cares at all, uh, or that he would be. I mean, they, they got to be one of the only Power Five schools that hasn't done a ten game, ten Power Five games in a season schedule. I mean, everyone's doing it. Mm-hmm. And they, they'll be the last ones, right? Yeah, yeah. I would, I would think so too. Eighty-one fifty ninety-three nine. That's uh, the number if you'd like to jump in uh, on that. But that's interesting that that's the model. It just seems to me again, if you're going to take the money and set up this super league like this, you got to play the games. I'm glad, at least, that if we're going to do a twelve-team playoff, let's get our money's worth and, and play the games. Like hopefully, we are past the point where anyone tries to kind of avoid their way into the playoff. Let's play the games. Well, that's that's the thing. Like when it gets to twelve births, I don't. That's that's one of the, in my opinion, the benefits of this is that we'd get more premier matchups. You know, with a, with a twelve uh, team playoffs, people wouldn't be so worried about losing their conference or even losing a non conference game or two. Like it just. They'll find ways. This tournament, this this committee is going to find ways to get 
five, six SEC teams into a playoff one year. You know, like it's going to happen. The SEC and the Big Ten are going to gobble up eight or nine of the bids every year. You know, seven or eight of the bids. It's like it'll happen. And and I think that this should be a uh, the twelve team playoff. I've always thought should be an incentive to play more better games. And I'm hoping we get that. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's my hope is that we're just. You shouldn't be afraid of it. You shouldn't be afraid well, of it anymore. It, you shouldn't be rewarded for for avoiding games if you can help it. Yes. Play the games, man. Like yes. just let, let, because it's the one place where basketball definitely exceeds football. College basketball. Anytime a coach feels like he's got a a decent team, they want to play. They want to play other good teams. They like the risk is worth it to them, and I hope that football gets closer to that. That's what that's what the goal is, right? And that's why I've always uh, trumpeted the access for, for multiple. Like this has been one of like the the um, other benefits of of expanding the playoff. You know, like yes, we get a, a seat at the table for everybody. In theory, if they run the table, they can make the playoff. Uh, but beyond that, it will be good for the game. Like it will promote more elite matchups. People or teams should not be afraid of playing the games because they're not going to like a loss to a another top 10 team from another conference isn't going to deep six their hopes, you know, in, in late August, early September. Like that should be the way it is. Yeah. I would hope that, that we get more, just like more of these meaningful games. That's why I hope just to, to go back to the conversation, I think from the, from the first hour uh, that we get, that the ACC is able to do something. If this kind of doomsday scenario for, uh, for the PAC 12 happens, those are those seem like interesting games right. to me. You know, if if you had West Coast teams in a in a larger ACC that's that's perhaps like settled, I think those would be some a lot of really fun games. I hope it happens. Yeah, I hope, I hope so too. I mean, that, that's that's one of the benefits of this uh, of this um, new age of college football. At least it should be. Uh, and I too often you know that the one of the big issues with the with the lack of accessibility or at least the the limited field i should say has been you know some of these elite conferences avoiding the the big non-conference games and alabama's not one of them i mean they always no. they schedule big at a conference it's just kind of i don't know it shouldn't hurt them i i realize that these are these are big matchups but they're going to take advantage of these big marquee tv matchups and make sure bama has three of them every year if not four or five with the other rotating, you know, schedule partners, the other rotating conference members, like that's the one thing. Like, does it suck that they basically exploded the college football landscape once again and and just sent a shockwave through um, all the different conferences by taking Texas and Oklahoma? Yes, but the matchups are super intriguing, <laughs> you know, and I get to watch Texas play, you know. Tennessee and Georgia and other teams that they don't normally play year in and year out and don't really have a history with. In addition to them being forced back into or Texas A&M being forced back into a conference with Texas uh, in Oklahoma <laughs> and seeing that happen again. I cannot wait for that game, by the way. That's going to be great. A- A&M Watching them Texas have to play have each to other again. It. Yes, A&M's going to be so mad. They are. They're, I, you can, I can feel it from College Station right now. They're already mad, yeah. yeah they're already yeah, they're mad right now. Midnight Yell will be fun, though. Oh God! No, it won't. It's never fun, dorks. So it should be funny for them to play Texas again. It's like, oh, we do. It's like because you guys left them. Like, who are you going to troll here, Texas? That's the whole thing. A and M, 
left to strike out on their own and not be like the little brother to Texas, and then Texas just came back. You're like, nah, we're still here. You're still little. <laughs> and I, I, what I really like about it, though, is I like that the A&M was like, we're going to go to the SEC, and we're going to be – We're going to basically sort of siphon off like all this juice from the SEC and we're going to take over. And they've come to the SEC and been exactly the same. I know. They've just been (laughs) two years of Johnny football, though. In which they went kind of eight and four ish, right? Like they they still the team. But yeah, so they're mediocre. They did. I love that the the, uh, Texas schedule is just the old Southwest Conference, you know? Oh, I know. (laughs) It's Oklahoma, Texas AM, and Arkansas. Yep. Like, welcome back to 60 years ago. <laughs> Let's get, uh, is it David in here? Let's get David in here. David, welcome into the job. And I thought, what's up, buddy? Hey, guys. It's the unicorn. Hey, hey there he is. What's the up, unicorn. A <laughs> uh, long time note. Did uh, we, all this, like, there he is. Like, is this, I haven't really read a whole lot of stories or anything about it, but like, I don't understand why the ACC really didn't work on before the Big 12 and the Big 10, you know, reworked their contracts recently. Like, dude, go go get West Virginia. Go get Baylor. Go get the, the good football programs from the Big 12. We should have already done this a long time ago. Um, I'm, in, I'm totally okay with combining with the Pac-12, but I, I just don't understand why the ACC has just sat here this whole time and not – taking any action because i mean that's just the reality of it the pac-12 is going to implode and you know we might as well take the teams nobody else will and they just they have to do something so i just i don't know i i i saw one like article i didn't get to read it because i was at dinner with my family but i saw an article talking about potentially combining with the pac-12 but i mean is this is this legit like i haven't heard it talked about anywhere else so yeah, I appreciate it. The, the The reason that you're seeing, David, thanks for the call. The reason that you're seeing, I think, a little bit more conversation about it is we're getting very close, like, to the very end uh, of the Pac-12's negotiations. And depending, I guess, on, on how that ends up going is, I think, going to be, like, the biggest driver in what comes after that. And who's gettable you know, under what circumstances and what would they bring? And I would think that, you know, one of the interesting things that I've noticed in a couple of different uh, stories is that there, there does not appear to be, I know Stephen Godfrey has said this on like their Split Zone Duo, like their, their subscriber podcast, that there's not a lot of appetite in the Big Ten for adding anybody else right now. The university presidents at these various schools, they don't like they they feel good about where they're at, and that's enough. They'll they'll make an exception for Notre Dame. You know, that's of pretty course. much it. That's yeah. This, that's true of anybody, right? Right. But it's to to like to address what David was saying with why weren't they proactive with Baylor and West Virginia, which is all stuff that we talked about when the news of UCLA and USC came down and before the Big Twelve announced their additions. The problem is there are teams, several teams, that have their eyes elsewhere that are not interested in adding Baylor and West Virginia. And frankly, I don't think they'd be interested in adding Oregon and Washington either. But Hopefully I'm wrong about that, but everybody thinks they're going somewhere else. At least of the top of like Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, maybe Virginia, Miami. Like those teams all have eyes elsewhere. 
You know, I, that's and there were reports when the Baylor and West Virginia stuff was floating around that there was no appetite amongst certain brands to add anybody and renegotiate and re-sign. I don't yeah, know if it's think, changed, but I think that that's kind of the biggest impediment. Yeah, I think the big – or excuse me, ESPN is going to be the one, I think, that's going to have to convince the ACC as much as the ACC is going to have to convince sure. them. You know, that it's strategic for both. Uh, and, you know, maybe you had – like because the one thing the ACC's got is this unbelievable grant of rights, exit fee, payout. Like, there's no one can leave. But that doesn't mean that everyone's good or happy – and the fact that no one can leave is also, I think, at least something of a bar from being able to get anything done together because people don't want to make this like any longer. And, and the question is, like, what can you say to ESPN to get them to give you more money? And, and I think at this point, the fact that FSU and Clemson are like saber rattling in public, what I'm hoping is that the ACC knows this, like that they this is part of a coordinated effort to convince ESPN to come off of some more money here yeah, so that they don't lose those people to the, uh, whoever it might be to the big 10 permanently because they have no relationship with ESPN at all. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the, that would be the, the best scenario. I, I just, I, I hope they're on board like that though. You know, like I hope they understand that, 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 that part of this and that's their ultimate goal. I don't well, know if they're working may, in that I, direction. Well, maybe they like maybe you could do that. Yeah. Uh, in the, if you're ESPN, because you don't have to really pay the Pac-12 anymore. Sure. If oh you, yeah, no, the Pac-12 you know, is going to be a scenario. thing of the thing of the past <laughs> pretty soon. Sounds like it. Yeah, it sounds like it. There's no way to reconstitute the Pac-12 after they're down to six teams. Like, there's no way that Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford want to be in a conference with like SMU, San Diego Boise State, State, Boise State. Yeah. Like, that's just not. Right. That's not going to happen. You're not going to have Cal and Stanford in the same conference as Boise State and SMU. It's just not going to happen. You remember oh, when the Pac-12 was like a right. real player back before, like when it was Texas and Oklahoma maybe going well, to the Pac-12? Was, well, we had we we really were a razor's hair away from the Pac-16. We were, and and we are very very far from that now. It's wild. Texas says half 12. Half 12. <laughs> like those uh, half dozen eggs you can get in the grocery store. Right. Like I'm trying to think well, of some way like to turn it like. the carton in half. I'm trying to make it like a six pack. You know, I think that's about right. Six pack. That's good. That's good. That's good. We'll go with that. Where Ultimately, I guess, maybe then in your mind, where do you think that the Pac-12 kind of ends up here TV-wise and that that's going to become obviously like the next thing. But like, is it just going to be straight up like Apple Plus or Apple TV or whatever and the best that they can do? That's what it feels like right now. That Flow and like sports. regional networks or something, you know, like it just, nobody's going to really come out of pocket for that array. Like without USC and UCLA, it's clear. Like the numbers that have been thrown around, Klyakov has been, uh, I, I understand that he's got to be optimistic and public facing, you know, when he's like that, but it's turning into like bad dad Bob, bad dad Bob when I look back at his, you know, all is well uh, bravado after USC and UCLA left. And I look at it the same way as like Oregon State and Washington State are in denial. And I think that Oregon and Washington are just kind of waiting. 
<laughs> and see where, but they're they're not going to wait long if if those four corner schools split after this deal comes out. I think Oregon and Washington make their move, and we'll find out pretty quickly if the Big Ten does or does not have an appetite to add two more schools that have good football brands. Like if they're if they're really not interested, then the ACC probably needs to do something to figure out some way to incorporate them into the conference and. Hopefully ESPN is a willing TV partner that, that could maybe help that along. But I I just worry, I side-eye that group of schools I was talking about that all think they're on somebody else's wish list right now, and some of them are. Like, I just, I feel like, like I said earlier, it's a fox in the hen house situation, you know, where I just don't know if they're going to be working towards the same goal we are unless ESPN can give them like solid figures in writing like this is what we're going to offer this is what you could be expected to make per school and if it's close the gap significantly maybe you can convince them to re-sign a grant of rights but probably not one that extends as far in the future as the last one did i'll put it that way um maybe that's your trade-off but like yeah. that the thing about that though dave is like why would espn do that I, well, that's my that was my question when you, when you kind of brought it up a little bit. You know, I I I just don't know if they're going to be working in that direction because they'll they'll need ESPN on on board or somebody on board. Yeah, I would I would think so too. I would think that you would you have to have them on board, uh, and that they're ultimately they're going to drive. I think this thing. You, they always do. That's, <laughs> well, that's and that's really I think the the sad reality that we've all got to get used to here is. We've, I think we've, pre- we've gotten very, very close to, if we're not there explicitly, to the place where they're just going to do whatever the networks want them to do. Yeah. Like, that's the only thing that matters. Yeah, pretty much. Let's go ahead then and take our last break here. We'll come back. We'll put a bow on uh, this one here. Everybody be safe uh, today here. We'll come back, wrap it up here on the drive on I found the bow. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition, and I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift, five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, come on, muscle through it, but then also say, hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. to the drive presented by fitness market right here on 93.9 the film now here's mark ennis and biggest biscuit also known as dave skull welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 the Ville. mark ennis dave skull here uh, uh an anonymous account i'm not saying the guy's real name because well the account name but tweeted at us something that i have loved uh when when these sorts of things are brought up but basically this guy went back from 2008 forward uh and found every power five head coach 
in men's basketball who had recorded a season that consisted of six wins or less. Hmm. Uh, and so what had hap- what ends up happening to that coach? And assuming that Patrick Ewing is fired this year, all of them eventually got fired. But the interesting thing to me is almost none of the coaches got fired. Well, none of them got fired in their first year. And that's what I think is kind of interesting about this. Like, like Cream, Tom Cream went five and twenty-five his first year with, you know, a team that had that didn't even have enough players. Yeah. That they famously, you know, used players from the women's team to, to practice that year. Like that was how uh, shorthanded they were. And it's it's just interesting to see this chart because it says here's Tom Green in 2009 he went five and twenty-seven, and what happened to him? He got fired eight years later. Yeah. You know, like there there was a lot more to that tenure, and every one of these guys. Uh, ends up ultimately, I think, getting fired, except for Wayne Tinkle at Oregon State, who went five and twenty-seven, and now is is just about to go over five hundred uh, for his career uh, this season. So he's had a pretty good run there at Oregon State. So there is somebody he that's also, done this. His name belongs in the uh, sports pantheon, next to uh, like Dick Trickle, and <laughs> oh no, kidding, Wayne Tinkle. Like, I know he can't choose about, his name. I, I mean, I'm gonna right. smile. Wayne Tinkle's just kind of funny. Sorry, buddy. Well, it's it's one of those names we've talked about yeah. that like it doesn't matter what like you don't have a good first name that you can even do. You can't, you know, like if your last name's Tinkle, like you lose. It just doesn't matter. Like I'm gonna go take a Tinkle. Uh, That's it. But I. Th- they did have that Elite Eight run a few years ago, though. What's that? Here's they the did thing. have that Elite Eight run a few years. Well, ago. he's a, he's turned out to be a pretty good coach, and Tom Green, obviously, you know, they they were number one. They they were a couple Sweet Sixteens. Like it wasn't nothing, you know, at, at Indiana, and even though they got off to a bad start. But here's where I think the problem is. So the the person who tweeted this at us says seven of the eight coaches were eventually fired. Five of the eight were fired within two years. Six of the eight finished with losing records at the school. In summary, go ahead and fire him now. That's where the problem is. Your conclusion does not flow. From the premises, just because you will eventually fire a coach doesn't mean you should fire them after one year. That's not, like that is not because guess what, Dave? You end up firing almost everybody. Like it's to look at this and say like, look, six of the eight, seven of the eight got fired. You should just go ahead and fire him. Because seven out of eight coaches get fired anyway. Like that, you're not the fact that someone got fired kind of doesn't. It just tells you that they didn't do a great job and they eventually got fired. But to look at Crean and be like, well, look, he had a five-win season and then uh, he got fired. Yeah, eight years later and he finished with a winning record. Like, it didn't tell you the whole story. It's and a, it would have been it would have been ridiculous to fire Tom Crean after one year. It's a little, it's a little reductive. Like, it's it's. I got, I I understand the point he's making. Like, how many, how many of these coaches that get this have this poor of a season? ever actually work out the way you want them to. And that might be informative, like, hey, I wouldn't – it's probably – like you could say it's probably not going to work out. But it doesn't necessarily mean you can fire him after a year. <laughs> I mean, I'm, there's just a lot of factors that go into it. And it, the least of which being like – not the least of which being financial. And just the 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 – the way you do business like it's just it's it's gonna be tough to do that um but i'll be like there is the argument of if it needs to be done eventually you should do it immediately but i don't know if there's enough like uh, look i don't know how many different ways i've said this um because my bottom line i think is pretty clear 
to where I'm saying like I haven't seen enough indications or any really to me personally that tells me that Kenny Payne is the right guy going forward. But I also understand that he's getting a second year, and I hope he shows me those indications. That's like the only way I can state it, where I haven't seen anything. But I honestly don't. It's never been reasonable to fire a guy after one year. Uh, if there ever was a situation. Yeah, and it, it, by the way, a texture says that none of those coaches came into a situation as bad as ours. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they I absolutely mean, did. Cream, most Cream, certainly Cream did. did. I was like, I used yeah. horrible. Without the, well, they, don't, they only had they had single digit scholarship players. Like, yeah, his like first you, year. you could pull away the. They didn't have quite the same like seven year extended IARP, <laughs> you know, at NCAA right. Cloud, but right. That is mitigated this off season with the ability to add players in the portal with immediate eligibility. Like whatever the excuses were, last and many were valid last offseason about the roster build not all of them were and I'm just looking to see how the first indication of next year how it'll go is how he builds this roster because the talent wasn't enough last year but it was better than it looked like on the court the roster construction was a bore like it was a boring it was awful like I would like to see how he builds this roster who he brings back who he brings in in the portal what the balance looks like and can we put a team that makes sense on the court next year. And that's on him. Like it's completely incumbent on him to do that, to give himself the best opportunity to succeed next year. And hopefully next season, it will be 100% clear one way or the other, what we should do. And it may very well be that we need to move on from Kenny Payne, but he's going to get a full shot at this, regardless of how myself and others feel about the performance on the court this year. Like I think it couldn't have gone much worse but I also accepted a long time ago that he's going to get a year two, and I hope personally that Kenny Payne does well. But I'm not going to – that my position has been clear. I'm not going to blow smoke up your butt and tell you that I think all is well and he just needs time because I don't think that those indications are there right now. You know what I mean, Mark? Like, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's I as clear the, as I can be about it. Yeah, the outcome of – like, the result of this season is that his leash is much shorter – and he's going to be given a lot shorter runway, but he's not going to get fired. And, and uh, we've had various callers or texters uh, who have brought up, like, I knew Cragthorpe wasn't going to work after the first game. And you know what? You were right. Mm-hmm. They didn't fire him until after year three. You know, and just because a guy should – this is where I, I disagree. Like, you might be right that it's not going to work. But you can't fire someone until it doesn't work. Yeah. And we ha- we're not at the end. And if you're looking at this and saying, like, hey, I don't think he's going to – he's giving me nothing, I get that. And he's basically going to get one shot at dramatically making over the roster and showing you basically, like, look, if you just give me a l- – you gave me a little space, I brought in these guys, and we are a lot better, then his explanation for year one is going to make a lot more sense – and it's, we're all going to feel a little bit better about it. And, I, in fact, I think if he is vindicated and next year is a lot better, we're, we're going to feel really good about having not overreacted to year one. But this year matters. And the fact that they have been as bad as they have this year, he's responsible for the largest part of it because he's the coach. And I think where it matters is not that they're going to fire him after this year, 
but they'd fire him next year. I, I'm positive if it's anywhere close to this this year, this this will be it. Uh, I agree. Let me just interject real quick because there's some people listening in their car. Apparently, I-264 eastbound is closed all lanes at the Crittenden exit or near the Crittenden exit. So if you're going that way, get off. <laughs> get off the highway. And there's all different. So we're saying that the Waterson is closed at Crittenden? Mm-hmm. Eastbound. Waterson is closed eastbound at Crittenden. It's so at all lanes. Please. Yeah, find uh, uh, find some way, other way to go, uh, if you can. I know we had a show texter uh, who texted an earlier picture of a gigantic uprooted tree. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of those. Guys, be careful. And next, I said, like, next next door to my parents, they had something happen. Uh, then they pulled out of the neighborhood, and the, uh, like, the transfer, was, there was a there was an electrical box or something, like, the Phone lines were on fire, basically. <laughs> or the, the electrical yeah. lines were on this fire. This is the end. <laughs> yeah. The electrical lines were on fire next to the trees. So it was – and the, the fire department was out there on 42, basically like eh, trying to yeah. figure out how to stop that before it turned into a bigger situation. Uh, and somebody sent in a picture of a, a bank sign at Kroger that exploded apparently. So there's just – there's a lot Whoa. going on out there, guys. It's uh, oh wow yeah it sure did you're absolutely right yeah, yeah. Look, this is we're not used to this uh, sort of thing uh, up here texture says this and this is this is the kind of thing that someone can just say and it's just it, it'll either be true in time or it won't texture says this he will not be vindicated Tom McKinney hundred percent all systems failure and he wouldn't make the tournament with the ninety six bulls so, <laughs> that's, that's you know I mean? like the that's, last like I, I the last line was just so over the top <laughs> but it's funny bulls. I get it but you know. Here's the, I what I, one of the things I can't stand Dave is when people make an absolute claim as a way of saying I have a really firm opinion, right? Yeah, like, it's a fact, and it's fine. Won't make like, the tournament. I, I yelled it, no, it's so it's got to be true, no, so man. It's fine to have yeah. that opinion. I, I mean, fine, right. it's fine. That's right. It's but fine. We're not it's we're not going to make any decisions before that. Yeah, like and, and guess what? Like I've been pretty clear that yeah, guys, I'm not. I don't. I'm not convinced. I don't think Kenny's the guy right now, but I'm open to have my, my my mind changed. You know, like I'm not like violently calling for his job right now. Uh, I do think that if it looks he's going to have all the resources off season, he has zero. Like even if I grant you everything, he's going to have zero excuse next year. Like he, if he, I grant you all the excuses for this year, which I don't really, I don't believe in most of them or half of them. But if I grant you all of that, like none of it will be acceptable next year. And that's where we're at, and that's fine. That's where we're at, yeah. Yeah. and we'll if know. The cast is, is if the cast of players is is dramatically different, and are the ones of your choosing, then then he'll get all the credit and all the blame, and the results really will, will be his. But we're just not going to run ahead and just decide because I th- I thought Rummage did this two days ago with he and Marcus, and I. It was a good kind of thought experiment in rhetorical games. Like, but what if they do? Like, what if I kind of tried to do this with Tyler a little bit yesterday? What if it's actually true, Dave, that the like the vast majority of the problem on this team is just straight up the players, and that they, the coaches are just killing themselves, and these guys are incorrigible and they can't be reached. That doesn't mean that they did everything right, the coaches, but that a dramatic sort of turnover in the roster turns out to be pretty good, and that. The team is just a whole lot better, and that turns out to be right. Like, that is possible. 
I suspect it's probably not that cut and dried. But it is possible that the players are actually like the gigantic biggest part of the problem, right? Like that is possible. I mean, yeah. I uh, okay. I, I I really I hate the this much of a leaning into it's got to be one or the other because the players can be a big problem and an issue, but your inability to do anything with that or make them respond to your coaching or yeah. or figure that out before the season or anything like that is still on the coaching staff. That's why I just like I know it's a thought experiment and I and I I think that maybe you get run of one or two guys in that locker room and it might help a lot, but it doesn't completely let Kenny off the hook for his inability to reach them or figure out some other way to put a team out there and some other way to develop them in the offseason and some other way to uh, evaluate their talent when he first got here or evaluate their coachability or their value to the team. Like, those are all things, yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, no, I, listen, I agree. And I'm not saying that there's any scenario where he's sort of like off the uh, – where he's off the hook for everything that's happened. But it is at least – you have to admit, guys, it's at least possible that if they make – let's say they bring back five guys next year. Lance, Mike James, J.J. Trainer, Okorafor, and Brendan Hunley Hatfield. And they add six more guys. The, the three, three that we, that we know already about. have coming in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, those three, Sky Clark, Dennis Evans, and that uh, Churchill Boss guy. That would be really – I think that would be exciting. To if, if There would be real interest in seeing how that looks. And Kenny would have both no excuse and more to work with. And we would have every right, I think, to just expect it to be a hell of a lot better right away. I still don't think that's enough transfers. I mean, honestly, like I I worry, even with like those additions and trimming the fat off the roster here, at the end of the day, you're bringing in three more freshmen, one transfer portal guy. You know, like it's it's or four more freshmen, I should say, and one and one transfer in the portal. Like I just don't and a and a JUCO transfer. So one guy with experience in Division One basketball. Like if you're really talking about an injection of talent, I went over those numbers earlier, or an injection of uh, game changers. I went over those numbers earlier where and I realized scoring is not everything and it won't that doesn't quantify like the effect that Dennis Evans might have on the defensive end and rebounding and everything. I understand that, but it's a nice little raw look where only seventeen of the top one hundred freshmen average double figures this year and sixty two of the top one hundred transfers average double figures for their new team. Like I think that they're going to need more than one guy coming in the transfer portal with college experience, even with all those other exciting names and freshmen and trimming the fat off this roster, you need more impact transfers than that to really transform this roster. Or we might hear some of the same stuff. Like, these guys are young, these guys are this, these guys are that. Like, how many of those freshmen do you expect to be impact guys? Like, I think Caleb Glenn's a really nice prospect. He might make a difference in his freshman year. Curtis Williams, maybe. Dennis Evans, yes. But, like... I just in terms of the of the freshman, I would I don't expect much from Curtis Williams at all. I just expect Dennis Evans, hopefully, uh, and Caleb Glenn. I do think, by the way, and this happens with the, like the first guy to commit. A lot of times, fans uh, get used to him being on the list and all that sort of thing. Sure, I think Caleb Glenn is really good. So do I. I'm a big believer in Caleb Glenn, Me but too. 
I do you understand what I'm saying though? Like I still I do. I, I, I still do. think they need more of an injection of proven talent. Especially right now when you have to win next year and you don't have any strictures in the in the transfer portal. He needs to sell this program to some guys that can score and can really play offensively. You know, and then we'll I mean defense too, but you know, like guys that have their feet under them already and are averaging 18, 19 points a game at the last place they were, or 15 points and, and six assists. You know, get some guys that are top 25 transfers into the portal and into our onto our roster next year, or I fear that it's not going to be enough turnover and not going to be enough uh, of an injection of game-ready talent to actually make the difference that they need this to like they need them to make. I mean, the number one thing you can do if you're Kenny Payne, and it's factual, especially if LLS does pursue the pro route, is minutes are available for these guys. Like you can come in and start day one. Like that's available to these guys, and Kenny's got to sell it to these top recruits, these top transfers. Yeah, nil minutes. Let's go. And like that's it's, the one thing, especially I, I, for ball handlers, for sure. Yes, absolutely. I, what are we gonna say? I'm so sorry. the way the way I, I approach this is every single person's opinion is valid. But and, and like where I'm at I, I've I've been open, I'm not sold on him after seeing this year and I, I don't see the indications, but I am open to having my mind changed. So what I don't want to see is if this stuff works next year, people still like rooting against you know what I mean? Like if he's if he's got a tournament team next year, people still rooting for failure, which most people won't be. But I don't want them to be so invested in being right that after he starts to prove us wrong, if he does, that they don't get off that that bandwagon. Just like the Lamar Jackson, you know, doubters in the NFL that are still screaming at the clouds right now, even though Lamar has thrown out pretty much every narrative at this point and won an MVP. Like, and I'm not saying that I believe that's going to happen. I hope it does. But I don't want people holding on too hard to their their side of this because it's been very tribal to this point. I think that, and the other side have, too. By the way, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like, no, that's fine. The if other way too. But it, if you're Kenny, or if you're Josh Hurd, I don't think you give the the angriest kind of Kenny detractor. Uh, I don't think you give them a thought because. You're never going to reach those people. I don't think you ever think about it because I, like some of the things that, that I have seen said about Kenny are the people should be embarrassed that they've said it, you yeah. know, uh, stuff like that. Uh, ridiculous things, uh, character assassination things. It's absurd and you should be ashamed of yourselves for doing it. And you, those people will never change their minds. He could be cutting the nets down. Right, and they'd be like Nolan Smith won those games or something. You know what I mean? Like it'll yeah. it'll be that way. You know this, and I know this. I would never worry about trying to persuade those people. It's kind of I, I feel the same way about the the edges of of this conversation in both ways. But um, I just I, I can't when I look at all these projected rosters or the one we just talked about. I just can't I can't see a, a scenario where he doesn't bring in two proven ball handlers you know just proven guards that can play this game right away like because that is that was such a glaring omission 
from this roster in such an unbalanced approach to the college game, and it simply didn't work. We didn't glean any benefits from being overly big, defensively or otherwise, and we didn't. We just didn't. Nothing good out of it. Like you have to have whatever that experiment was, whether it was on purpose or because of circumstance. Like next year, we need two proven ball handlers in the portal. I mean, we're losing L. Ellis most likely. I would think so. If you only replace him with Sky Clark, we have the same problem next year. Do we not? No, you. I think you're right. I think you're probably right uh, about that. All right, that is going to do it for us. Everybody stay safe tonight. Back at it on Monday. You've been listening to The Drive on I-10 DeVille. See you.